You're listening to Deliberate Living, a podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a full-time nomad and writer who has been living in my 1997 Ford van since January 1st of 2019. I travel the United States with my dog, learning how to live with more authenticity. I explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms, finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley, and this week, my guest, Christine, um, is currently going through some transitions in her life. She uh, was living in a few different vans over the course of three years. She is in the process of transitioning into moving into a condo that she recently bought. Very exciting. Um, She's also self-publishing a book, which I'm super excited to talk about, and overall, she just lives one of those, you know, fun, adventurous, deliberately alternative lifestyles that I love to talk about. So hello, Christine. Hi. And for the audience who maybe doesn't follow you on Instagram and doesn't know all about uh, what you've been up to, why don't you give us a little bit of backstory about, you know, what you were doing beforehand, how you got into the van uh, the first time, et cetera. Sure. Um, Yeah, I graduated college in 2013, and I think that's the first time I had one of those um, aha moments of like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Um, So, you know, like we all go through school and we're told like, these are the things you need to do. And and so I did them and I was really good at that school stuff. Um, And so that was kind of like my main personality thing was like academics. Um, And so as I went through high school, I always knew I would go to college and that was really important to my parents. So like once I got into college, even though I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't enjoying it, I didn't really have the option to quit. I just had to like finish my degree. Um, But after that, I was working in health insurance at a desk job. um, And I really just started to ask myself what, like what the next thing was. Um, and I realized that I had no idea and that I had kind of fallen into this health insurance thing and it obviously wasn't my passion. Um, and, but I didn't know what my passion was. I didn't have any idea what it was that I would like rather be doing. Um, and so I started to kind of look around and was, you know, doing a lot of like surfing the internet at work. And I came across a blog about the Appalachian trail Mm -hmm. And I was not a hiker. I was not outdoorsy. Um, And I, I just was like fascinated, not so much with the hiking itself, but with the culture around it and like the passion that people had for it. And this kind of like, like a deliberate life choice to say, like, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go hike for six months and like figure out who I am in the process And it kind of seemed like a lot of the bloggers that I read about and a lot of the people who are on these forums, you know, answering questions and talking about what they were doing really had like some idea about who they were. And I was reading that thinking like, these people have it figured out. I'm going to go do that. Um, (laughs) And then maybe I'll know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Um, So really my, my entrance into that like world of thinking was backpacking Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was in 2013 that I discovered the AT. Um, I went on the AT in 2015 and I hiked, uh, about 650 miles of the AT. Um, my mom passed while I was hiking 
And so like my journey of self-discovery kind of like just became something else um, because when you're dealing with grief and loss, um, that kind of like, who am I? I'm 23 and need to figure out what I'm doing with my life kind of takes a back burner, I suppose. Um, And so I then after the AT took some time um, like visiting my dad before I moved to Denver and, and, and Denver was another, like, that was my second phase of like, okay, I've gone and done this backpacking thing. I want to like be this outdoorsy person who does this thing. Um, but now I'm back where I was before in Arkansas and I don't know how to be that person here. Um, and so I knew I needed to go somewhere where I could be the person that I wanted to be. Um, and, and Denver was just the next step on that journey. Um, and I came to Denver, lived in the city for a couple of years and worked for an organic food company, um, which also was a huge journey for me in terms of like learning about health and taking care of your body, which I didn't know anything about. Um, and then that's when I bought the van. And so I worked for a couple of years in Denver, I bought a van um, and and I kind of knew like, okay, I want to get this van ready and then like go do the van life thing. Cause it was kind of like just hitting its stride of popularity in like 2017. Um, and so that was kind of the idea. And then I went on vacation to Australia for two weeks and did like a road trip in Australia with my friend. And I was like, oh, I can't go back to work after this. Um, so I just quit my job when I got back. <laughs> and jumped in the van and took off. Um, And that led to, I was probably on the road for the first four, five, six months um, when I was feeling, again, a little lost. I thought that this van thing was gonna like make me the person I wanted to be um, Mm -hmm. in some ways. And I think a lot of us, like we see that, right? The Instagram version of van life and we think like, oh, it's so easy and it's so glamorous and there's so many people doing it. Like I'll make friends right away and like meet all these cool people and do all these cool things. And if you don't really know like what you're trying to accomplish as with anything in life, like you probably aren't going to accomplish anything. Um, And so I kind of found myself like a little lost in, in van life at the beginning And I turned back to backpacking um, to kind of help me find my way because I had felt like my time on the AT was so formative and it really did help me find myself in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I went and hiked the Wonderland Trail um, in Washington. And that's actually what my book is about, Mm -hmm. um, is my hike on the Wonderland Trail and also like the journey that led up to it. but those 10 days or 10, 11 days on the trail um, really answered a lot of those questions that I had about like what I was trying to accomplish and gave me a little bit more of that like deliberate mindset of like, okay, I can go get back in the van now. And like, I have sort of more of an agenda um, almost in that it was the inspiration to write a book. And I was like, okay, now I can like be a person who's writing a book while living in a van and not just a person who's doing question mark while living in a van. <laughs> Not just a person who's living in a van 
and like that's it that's all there is right (laughs) yeah there needs to be something like you can't just be a person who's living in a van like what are you doing in there yeah (laughs) yeah I think that's really interesting that like each part of your story is like I want to be a person who does this thing or Mm -hmm. I want to be this type of person and so then your activities and therefore your lifestyle kind of like follow that like they get into they get in line behind you like this is who I want to be and these are the things that I have to do to be that person so I think that's a really interesting way for a lot of people to like reframe what they want out of life right like so many of us especially in our generation are told like you go to high school you get a diploma you go to college you get a degree and then you go work like we're all told the the exact same story from very well-meaning parents usually (laughs) and uh, you know the rest of society and then we get there and we're like I don't want to do this. I want to be the kind of person who does this, that, or the other thing. Or like you get on online these days, especially you get on Instagram and you follow someone who's like inspirational or aspirational. And you're like, I want to be like that person. What is it going to take for me to be like that person? And, you know, marketing and companies would want you to believe like, well, you have to buy our products first. (laughs) But what you really have to do is like change your lifestyle and like do activities, like whatever the activity you want to do like you wanted to go hiking you wanted to go backpacking on the AT and become that person so those are activities that you have to do so I mean sure there's like products involved in that but <laughs> definitely like the activities and making yourself yeah do them <laughs> yeah when I think a lot of us are like kind of coming to this point of feeling lost and we have these vague ideas of like I want to be a person who's happy and fulfilled and like all of these things which are like really amorphous And also like, you're the only person that can define that. So if you want to be a person that's happy, like you can look around and see other happy people and say like, I'm going to do what they're doing, which Mm -hmm. might work. And honestly, that that's really what led me to hiking. Right. I, I was feeling lost and I found this community and I thought like, these people seem happy and like they have purpose and, and like, I don't really like hiking, but I guess I could try that. And, and sometimes we are just like bumbling around trying to find something that feels right. And like, yeah, we're going to try stuff that sucks first. And like, I tried to find community and fulfillment in drinking for my early twenties and like that sucked. So I had already tried that, (laughs) you know, and that's like a big part of my journey, right. Is like this idea that like the thing that culturally you know, we're shown these commercials and, and all like social gatherings are all alcohol related, right? It's all part of our society. And so a lot of us just do that because it's what everyone's doing. And then it takes kind of that awakening of like thought to go like, okay, I've tried this and it's not working for me. So let me, even if I don't know what the next thing is, like at least just go try something, you know, I guess I could have tried playing guitar and like, that would have probably sucked too. That's not my thing, but like, you know, or maybe I would have played guitar and gotten really good at it. And that would be my thing now. I don't know. (laughs) So, you know, there's something to be said for like, only you can say what is going to make you happy, but sometimes you don't know and you just have to try stuff and see. Yeah. I think that that, that, in between that like not knowing if it's going to work is what stops a lot of people uh, myself included you know like before you went on the AT before you moved to Denver before you moved into the van before you did Wonderland like before you did each of these things 
was there a part of you that was kind of like apprehensive like were you nervous like everybody who's done the AT sounds happy and they figured themselves out on the trail and it was this really magical experience so I'm gonna go do that well wait a minute is that that's like a big thing like did you ever get scared and like second guess that decision um I think once I had made the decision I was pretty on course Mm -hmm. um but definitely I knew other people who hiked before that and I had been forced onto some like really short not that challenging hikes but I hated it because I was not I was not a physical person and so to me going out and hiking for two miles I was like this is hard like why would you do this and I had some really unpleasant experiences (laughs) with hiking. And so I really don't know what it was that like triggered in my brain to be like, yeah, I could hike 2000 miles. And just like, just because, just because I need new direction in my life. Um, I think part of it was, I knew it was going to be hard. And I knew that that was like kind of the ass kicking that I needed in my life because I hadn't been doing anything hard. And I think that, you know, underneath it all, we all know that like the things that we're going to get the most satisfaction out of are the things we're going to work for. And even if you have like very little experience doing that, I think we all like still know it in our being. Right. Yeah. Um, And I saw that as something like, like if I go do this, it will prove something about who I am and what I'm capable of something that I need that affirmation to know. Yeah. So you weren't necessarily doing it to prove that to anybody else. You were just doing it to prove it to yourself because you were feeling lost and you needed to go do a hard thing to show yourself that you can do hard things. And maybe in the process of doing this hard thing, you like learn a little bit about yourself and that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was definitely about proving something to myself. I think also I wanted to be the type of person who enjoyed hiking. You know, I saw people who enjoyed hiking and they like, weren't breathing hard and like their faces weren't red and they weren't (laughs) sweating profusely and they like looked like they were having fun and I'm like okay if I hike 2,000 miles like by the end of that no way am I going to be sweating like this right like that my body will change I will be I will be that person and not this person (laughs) yeah I did it's not true I did that with the last year like a year ago I wasn't running like consistently, but I wanted to be a runner. And I had so many friends who were running. My dad is an ultra athlete and he always has been. And like, so I've seen a lot of running and there were, there have been times in my life where I've like signed up for a race and therefore had to run, but I wanted to be the kind of person who would run because I enjoyed it. And so like, I kind of forced myself, like all of 2020 was like, you're going to enjoy this. So help me. (laughs) We are going running and we are going to figure out why people like it. And now like it's taken me almost a year, you know, probably like a solid nine or 10 months and I do enjoy it. And like, if I feel myself like getting anxious or I wake up in a mood or like, you know, whatever it is, it's like, all right, I'm gonna go for a run because it's like therapeutic and it's meditative and it releases endorphins. And I have become the kind of person who enjoys running and I'm happy about it. Have you become the person who enjoys hiking? Um, I am, yes, but caveat, I'm still the person that's sweating buckets. My mm. face is still red. I still breathe hard. Like none of that changed. Yeah. Now, now I can just like tolerate all of those things for t- 20 miles rather than for like half a mile. Right. 
I'm just like this, you know, I've, and it it, really a big part of it is self-acceptance. And I think that that hiking has been a huge part of that journey for me that like, I thought I would hike and my body would change and that would make me happy. But instead I hiked and my body is still the same. Um, And I have just learned to enjoy it. Like I didn't need my body to change, to be happy. I needed to take my body as it is and just go do the thing anyway. Yeah. Um, And like find joy in that. I think that is really profound. Like in so many ways, I think, I think people can take that same principle and apply it to whatever it is they think they need to change in their own lives. You know, you don't necessarily the thing that you think you need to change but you should accept it, especially if it's like yourself, you should accept right. <laughs> your physical being, <laughs> yeah. whatever that happens to, you know, look like you should do that. So, right. I love that. I think that's awesome. What was the process of writing your book? Like, was that kind of the same thing as the AT? Like once you decided to do it, you were just like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I decided that I was, so now I'm going to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's definitely a personality type, um, that I, I have, and it's kind of funny because I actually, I came off the Wonderland trail and I had had the idea for the book on the last day that I was hiking. And so I came off the trail and I was like, I'm writing a book. I have to go get a computer because I don't have one. (laughs) Um, and so I got a computer and I started writing and I knew that I wanted the, the main uh, narrative of the story to be about the Wonderland Trail. And so I just started writing from memory, like the plot of my hike. Um, And so that was emotionally like not challenging at all. Right. I'm just like, this happened, then that happened, then blah, blah, blah. Like I was walking and like hiking stuff. So, you know, that is pretty easy to um, just like relay information. And it had just happened. So it was like, you know, and it still took me, I think, four or five months to write just the narrative of what happened in 11 days. Um, But the story I wanted to tell was more about um, kind of the loneliness that we experience as women um, traveling alone. And so that can be backpacking. Um, I talked a little bit about living in the van. Um, And it's really about this idea that as women, we are told and, and Maybe this is generational in some ways, but like I was raised to believe that I could do anything I set my mind to um, and that I needed to be independent and not rely on a man to take care of me. And like those were things that it was really important to my parents that they equipped me for in the world. And that's why they focused so much on the academics, because the idea being right, you're going to go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, and then you can like make choices about the rest of your life rather than having to uh, just accept what comes to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just feel like I was raised hearing the word independent a lot. Um, And as I guess maybe a literal person, I like then saw myself in my twenties really pushing people away um, and, and spending a lot of time alone. And then also the first time I ever went to go, do something to prove who I was, was the Appalachian Trail. And a big part of that was doing it alone and like going out and proving like, I don't need anybody else. Like I can, I'm here to do this on my own. Look at me, I'm so strong. Um, 
And it wasn't until I was in the van and then on the Wonderland Trail that I realized like, I'm painfully lonely and, and I'm ashamed of that um, because I should be strong and independent and not need anyone. And so like loneliness is then a weakness. Um, and so what I really wanted to explore in the book was like this idea of independence and loneliness and, and what those things really feel like. And like the inner world of what's going through my head when I'm walking through the world as a like lone woman and, you know, the things that we deal with in terms of safety. And like, when I see a man walking down the street and I'm scared, for no reason other than I'm alone and he's a man and you know, those things that we deal with. And it's, if you're in the van women community, or if you talk to women who backpack alone, like these are conversations that people are having. And it's, you know, there's women who are afraid to do those things alone. And they're asking questions like, do you carry pepper spray? And like, Mm -hmm. what about a knife and all of these things. Um, And they're too afraid to go out and do the thing alone. And I think I had overcome that fear, I was, I was able to go out and do the things, but I was still moving through the world with fear. And I was still moving through the world with this idea that I like had to do these things alone and to prove like, look at me, I'm so strong and feminist and like, I don't need to be afraid, but like, that's a mask. Like you're still afraid. You're still thinking like, what if that man is a murderer when you're walking down the street, you know, like that fear never goes away. Yeah, I guess if you were really naive and you just didn't know to be afraid, <laughs> but like those fears are not unfounded, you know, like right. there really are dangers out there. Um, and that's something that I wanted to explore too, was like, what is the balance between like accepting that the world is a dangerous place for a woman alone mm-hmm. and letting that hold you back? Yeah. I relate so hard to all of what you just said. <laughs> I was definitely raised like to be a strong independent woman who don't need no man, um, you know, to be able to take care of myself and academics are important and um, loneliness is weakness and all of that. But then on the flip side, I also had um, like one of those, you know, fifties American households where my dad worked and my mom stayed home. So I was told all of these things about like the narrative of being independent and taking care of yourself and not needing anybody. But then I saw that my dad left and made money and my mom stayed home and raised the kids. And like, I don't necessarily have any desire to stay home and raise kids. (laughs) But I also, when I found myself in relationships, I would lose a lot of my independence because it was like, Oh, you're in a relationship. Now you're like tied to this person and you have to do the things that they want to do. And I was told, um, one point in my early twenties, I was dating somebody, uh, who wanted to take a job in a town that I didn't want to live in. But my mom was like, well, you kind of have to go where he wants to go. Cause he makes the money. And it was like such a weird, like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was told that I should be strong and independent and not need anybody. And now I have to go where he goes. Cause he makes the money. It was so confusing. And then I, I, it took me, you know, another 10 years to be able to like put words around those feelings and the, and the paradigms and the rules and like to kind of dissect them and figure out what I wanted to keep and what I wanted to toss. (laughs) But 
yeah, I mean, even in the van, when I started living in the van, it was supposed to be alone, right? Like I need to do this by myself. I don't want anybody else. And it was mostly to prove to myself, but also as like a demonstration of like strength and independence. And uh, when I started dating my partner, it took, it took me so many months to like get comfortable with it because I felt like I was losing part of my identity as like solo female van life, like solo woman on the road, like independent woman doing whatever she wants. Now she's like tied to somebody else. And I don't know how to do that in a healthy way because of all my previous experiences. And it was just this huge jumble of like confusion. And I mean, just like hiking on the trail, it's like the only way to get around is to keep moving forward. So just keep trying and, you know, don't be afraid to ask yourself the hard questions and like, don't be afraid to not believe what your parents have told you for a couple of things. I'll tell my dad not to listen to this interview. Right. Uh, <laughs> also not allowed to listen to this interview. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I realized I didn't like finish answering the question about the process of writing the book, but like once I had written the narrative of like, you know, this was my story on the trail, then I had to go back and write like the rest of the story, which is the part about like my personal experience and like what I went through. And, you know, it was one of those things where like in the early days of writing the book, a bunch of people were like, wow, you're writing a book. That's so cool. And you know, when I talked about wanting to like publish it and like actually share it with people and I'm not just doing this for my health. Um, a lot of people (laughs) were like, well, but you know, even if it doesn't, if it's not successful, like you'll still have the experience of writing it and like, you know, la la la. And I was like, sure. Like, that's great. And looking back on the last two years of my life, when I was writing the book, I, I really dug up a lot of emotional stuff that I had kind of set aside and been like, okay, like that happened, but I don't, it's not like part of who I am. Um, And I, I really delved into some things that I had kind of thought didn't affect me that much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it helped me to pull things apart and, and really recognize some of the things that I knew I had opinions about. And I knew I had like feelings about, but I had not really, really put words to that. Like you said, like (laughs) to be able to say like, these are the, the feelings I have. Um, and so like the process of writing the book was such an exploration of these ideas that I think a lot of us don't have words for. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to me to share my story and like for people to read this book, because I think like there's conversations that we need to have with ourselves and there's conversations we need to have with the people we interact with and our families and our partners and, exponential out you know our bosses and everyone in the world around us about like what the reality is for a woman walking through the world um and and what the inner world is right and like even you know my partner has read this book and my dad has read this book and um my very good friend's husband has read this book Mm -hmm. and they all like had kind of my mind is being blown by your inner thought world moments of like, why are you thinking this? And I'm like, every woman is thinking this. Every woman are thinking this. (laughs) Like every time I pull over in a gas station with my van and I have 
solar panels on top. And some guy comes up to me and is like, are those solar panels on your van? I'm like, are you going to follow me out of here? Right. Like, you now know I live in this car, you know? And, and like, it blows my mind that other people with penises, like, (laughs) don't have those thoughts. (laughs) But like, I, you know, I can't imagine someone coming up and asking me if I live in my car and not being freaked out. And then they're on the other side being like, why is that freaking you out? And I'm like, yeah, well, one, one thing that I talk with, like other ladies, especially ladies on the road about all the time. And people ask me this all the time and I'm sure you've gotten it a million times. Like, but are, do you feel safe? How are you protecting yourself? Like when was the last time you asked a man that? Yeah. My boyfriend and I don't get asked the same questions. We both live in vans. We've both lived in vans for years. And he, I don't think anyone has ever, ever asked him like, do you feel safe? How do you stay safe? And I get like, that's like the first question I get when people find out I live in a van. Yeah. Or do you have a gun in there? Yeah. Do you have a gun? And it's like, okay, so I can't tell you how I protect myself because it's not safe for me. It's not safe for me. Right. How I protect myself. It's ridiculous. And (laughs) guys don't have to think about these things. Or like when I pick a campsite, like so much more thought goes into like keeping myself safe at my campsite, safe and comfortable. So like, those are two different things. Right. Um, yeah. And like my boyfriend, bless his heart, like just doesn't understand sometimes he's like, why is this a big deal? And I'm like, I don't want, you know, people to know that I'm here or like, I need access from my cab to my house. Like, I don't want to have to get out of my driver's seat to get into my house part. Like I want to be able to do that smoothly without having to go outside. So people don't know that it's just me in here, you know, like all these things that like they don't think about it's fucking crazy. Absolutely. When I bought my last van, my dad, um, well, my dad went with me to like look at vans and we, there was one that had that like gate thing behind the driver's seat. So it was like a separate compartment. And so you would have to get out and go around. And my dad was like, Oh, that's really nice for like security reasons. And I was like, what security reason? Like, I don't understand. Like if someone's going to break into a van, it's for the stuff inside, not to steal your van. So they're getting in the back anyway, and you're back there. So like, what is it keeping you safe from? I don't understand. And then I was like, plus then I can't get in. Right. You can't get through. And one of the stories I've heard about a woman like getting barged in on, she was living in the back of a truck. And so she had to get out and get in the bed of the truck and someone saw her and -hmm. then they came later and opened that little like window flap thing on the back of the truck and was like hey what are you doing in here and I was like are you insane (laughs) 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 like I guess it was like a drunk person she was parked at like a casino parking lot and like I've slept in a casino parking lot yeah I've slept in casino parking lots but I would never get out of my vehicle in a casino parking lot nope no 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 and I, like I have a dog that I walk and I make sure like when I'm not in the wilderness like I walk her and then we drive to where we're going to camp right because once I'm camping I don't want to have to get out of the car <laughs> yeah yeah it's just things like that or like you know we've been me and my partner have been camping like out in Moab together in my van and when we stop at like a grocery store to get groceries he'll like open the back door fully so everyone can see in the van 
and then close it and then be like, let's go in the grocery store. And I'm like, everyone in this parking lot just saw my house. Like, <laughs> why are you doing this to me? Uh, all right. So I think maybe Alone in Wonderland needs to be required reading for men. <laughs> for totally different reasons than it needs to be required reading for women. Yeah. And I mean, really, I, I wanted the story to be approachable for men. And and I feel like it is based on the feedback I've gotten from the men who've read it. Um, but it's truly a story about a woman's experience. And it's, it's a story that I want to share because it's, it's a really normal experience, right? Like I've made these choices in my life to go backpack and to live in a van and do these things. But like, I'm a normal girl. I'm not an extreme athlete. You know, I'm not, yeah. You know, all these, you know, we read a lot of memoirs from people who are doing things that we're never going to do. Right. And I feel like my story is a story about a bunch of stuff that anyone could do. Um, And it's, it really is like in kind of every woman, you know, experience of like, this is just what it's like moving through the world. You know, I may have made different choices about where to be and what to do than you have. But I think a lot of our human experience is the same. Yeah, so like the, the, the real reason I wanted to share the story is because I wanted to kind of show that inner thought life and like, like it's okay to be out here trying to do this like strong independent woman thing and then like also like not always enjoying it or like being lonely and being vulnerable in that way of like, we're all experiencing a lot of the same human experiences and emotions and, and we all want to connect to other people. And like being independent is not the be all end all of being a strong woman. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. And you can be independent and still one of the, so blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's so many, <laughs> I wanna like tie them all together. Um, have you ever read Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of the Highly Effective Person? It is no. a dense, dense book it is a classic in like personal development yeah but it goes through like three phases where um humans are like you know through the our evolutionary process our personal our personal evolutionary process our personal journey where we go from being like dependent on other people and everything and not doing anything for ourselves and then we graduate to being independent and not needing anybody else and doing everything ourselves and then the third phase is interdependence where mm-hmm. you know, one plus one equals three. Like if people come together, we can make something greater than we could make on our own, et cetera. And that's kind of where like, I'm trying to go. Like I got out of dependence. I've been really, really good at independence. And sometimes yeah. like being independent can hold you back, right? Like you can, you can contribute more, you can do more, you can, you know, whatever it is, you can make more of it with like the help of other people. And I think that sometimes it can be really hard because interdependence feels a little bit like dependence. And like, that's something that I'm currently trying to work through. So if you've got any like tips on that, I'm all ears. (laughs) I think an important distinction to make is that interdependence might look like dependence, but it doesn't feel like dependence. Like your inner experience of being in like a cohesive relationship and where you are both gaining things from each other, you're both learning, you're both able to create more, like that shouldn't feel the same as relying on someone to do things for you, you know? Right. 
But I think we're told that it is right as women that like, we don't want to have that like someone doing for us and like someone doing for us and someone doing with us is not the same, it's not but the like same. nobody makes that distinction to you as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you probably wouldn't understand it anyway because at that age like you think you're independent because you tied your shoes and you're like who bought you those shoes (laughs) (laughs) no I'm independent because I get to choose to wear like sweatpants and a tutu and a headband and right ponytails (laughs) right yes exactly Uh, (laughs) and I think that's part of where that like deliberate aspect comes in I've been thinking a lot about deliberate like life in the last couple hours before this to like think about and I think that's part of it is like being able to look at your situation and say like what am I trying to accomplish what am I capable of and like what are the tools that I have at my disposal um and and really like like thinking through that process rather than just like okay here's the next thing that I was told I was supposed to do and I'm gonna go do it um but to like think about your choices um, more consciously. And I think, you know, not to, like how to say this and not make it sound bad, but like the people in your life, your relationships and your connections are tools, you know, like whether you're using them to help you accomplish like an actual goal or if you're using them to help you feel connected, like if the relationship itself is the thing you're getting out of that, you're still using that person as a tool to facilitate that relationship. Yeah. Your relationship serve a purpose. Right. Even if it's just like warm fuzzies, right? Like you need those things. (laughs) Like we need those things. (laughs) Um, It's scientifically proven like connection is what keeps humans alive. Like babies that don't get touched by other humans die. Yeah. So So like we need to use our tools and the people around us to accomplish those things. And then what makes it not dependence is like the reciprocation of that. So what are you providing to this person? And it doesn't have to be the same thing. Like this person makes you feel warm and fuzzy and like maybe you help them fix their car. Like those are (laughs) different things, right? But like you're both getting what you need and you're both using your skills and like that's, you know, how we are all moving through the world in some sense yeah yeah um I think that's a really good distinction to make uh we've talked a lot about like what the pros are of like solo travel whether that be you know backpack or van or just moving across the country um and a lot of those are like gaining a lot of independence gaining a lot of self-understanding and some self-acceptance are there any like big cons of these adventures that you've done? Um, I think that the main thing is just like, it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't call it cons. It's just a lot of things that people don't think about that are like, yeah. where are you showering? You know, where are you sleeping? And when you come to a new place, like how do you know where to go? Um, and those things are all like, emotionally and mentally taxing in a way um, that I think if you're unprepared for them can be really overwhelming. Um, And there's, you know, there's lots of different modes of, of doing the van life thing and, and traveling, you know, some people stay at campgrounds all the time and like that costs money 
And if you have the money to do it and that's an easy solution for you and you feel comfortable in that zone, then like, cool. But if you're trying not to spend that money, then the mental energy of like figuring out where to go, you know, there's apps and things that people use and there, you know, more and more resources are becoming available, which is great. Um, but even with that stuff, like it can still be really challenging, (laughs) um, you know, and then there's the connection piece, which I think like it can be really easy when you have this little like bubble that feels very safe to you to like stay in your little bubble and not go out and make friends. And if you, especially if you don't have a thing that you're doing other than being a person who lives in a band, (laughs) Um, so if you have like outdoor hobbies, you know, like I, I climb. Um, and so I go to climbing places and I meet people who are climbing and that's a really easy in, right. You go somewhere where people are climbing, you know, where they're camping and you like roll up and just say like, Hey, I'm Christine. What's up? Let's be friends. Um, and so if you have something like that and climbing is inherently a group activity. Um, and so people are always interested in meeting other people. But if your thing is backpacking, like it's not the same, you know? Um, So then that's when you would go like on a long trail, like the AT, when everyone is meeting at the same time, it's really easy to be social and make friends because the community is all right there. But if you're driving around in a van and doing two and three day backpacking trips, like that can be pretty lonely. And that's where the community, and especially like this year, we've seen such a transformation in how people are relating to each other. Um, So there's, you know, there's so many networks and communities online and, you know, there's van focused ones, there's backpacking focused ones, there's climbing ones, there's running ones, there's whatever your thing is or whatever you want your thing to be. And it's not even yet. Um, Like (laughs) all you need is, yeah, all you need is the internet and you can like be part of that. Um, And that's something that I think we also maybe don't give as much credit to once we've taken off and we're on the road that like, okay, I'm here, I'm doing the van thing. I'm independent. Like, I don't want to make friends on the internet. Isn't that the opposite of the Mm -hmm. point of what I'm doing? Um, And maybe we can get into this mindset of like, that's not authentic, so to speak. Um, And that's something that I think holds people back is, is not using the tools that are available to us um, to meet people and just like create your own social network. Um, and then of course, like once you meet people, you can go hang out with those people and then you don't have to be online trolling for friends anymore. Um, (laughs) but you know, we're so lucky to have that available to us. I suppose the other thing that is hard with that is that if you hang out with other people who are as nomadic and, um, kind of fly by the seat of the pants as you are, then (laughs) it's hard to stay connected because, you know, you may be saying like, oh, I have three months and then I'm planning on being in Alaska for the summer. Yeah. And this person might happen to be where you are. And for the next three months you can hang out, but then you're going to Alaska and maybe this person was not going to Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so we, you know, we, we create these friendships that feel very deep because we're, we're, we have so much in common And we, we want to like relate to people in a way. And especially when you've made the deliberate choice to say, I'm not going to do the like buying a house, having kids job thing. I'm going to go live in a car. (laughs) Then like you, you instantly separate yourself from 99% of people around you. 
And then when, when you meet someone who's made that same choice you have, you feel like, ah, we're soul sisters. Like (laughs) we're going to be best friends forever. (laughs) Um, And maybe you will, but you're not going to always be right there next to each other forever. Um, And so those like comings and goings of the people that we feel so connected to can be emotionally really challenging. Yeah. um, For sure. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, I mean, I've met so many people on the road online. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's a bad way to meet people at all, but I do think it gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. Although this year we all have to meet new people somehow because you know, you can't just like go to a bar and meet people. You can't go to a climbing group with people, but like right. other climbing areas, maybe, I don't know, but completely agree that the, the community aspect of it, like, you know, friendships and like having that closeness and that intimacy can be a huge challenge for sure. But once you get it figured out, it's, it's pretty good life. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And if you get a little crew together and are like, going place to place with people like that can be super fun and I mean some of the best times I've had on the road have been with other van people who I've either met through Instagram or met at like a van women group um and and just met up with and even if it was just for like three or four days of like hey let's go camp here and it's nice even just to split the emotional labor of deciding where to go (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> or if someone's like got a plan for the week and you're like can I just follow you around like that's great too. <laughs> yeah do you mind if I just come with because that sounds fun because <laughs> <laughs> you've got a plan I don't have a plan like let's I your plan sounds cool I'm into that so that can be yeah <laughs> totally what kind of advice would you give to someone who is in that kind of like lost limboy, treading water kind of space with like not really sure what to do next and need some direction in their life. Yeah. The first thing that I tell people when I have these conversations is usually like, like, who do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, fill in the blank. I want to be the type of person who, and that can be anything. It can be an activity. It can be like a mindset. It can be an emotion. Um, and, and then once you know, like, who you want to be, like, look at other people who are those things and see what they're doing. Or think about the steps that you need to get to be that person. You know, if you have one of these amorphous goals, like, I want to be happy, like, you got to dig deeper than that. Like, what is it that you think is going to make you happy? And, and this is where we run into all those toxic ideas about like, I'll be happy if I lose weight or like, I'll be happy if I get this job or like, you know, there's just a lot of things that we societally attach to happiness um, that I think if you really are looking to be a happier person, um, there's like more deep diving required. But I think that if you're lost and you need direction, a good direction is always just like any direction other than the one you're going. So (laughs) if it's (laughs) like, you don't have to know what the next thing is and you don't have to have this miraculous plan where you're like, I'm gonna buy a $50,000 van and go do this. You know, like those are huge commitments to something. And if you don't know that's the thing, then maybe that level of commitment is more than your, like is practical for you. And so, like, just 
try different things. And, and sometimes it can be small stuff like go, you know, if you're like, I'm interested in being more active, find a climbing gym and go take a belay class at the climbing gym and see if that's something you're interested in. You know, you don't have to pack up a van and move to Smith rock <laughs> to find out if you're into climbing <laughs> like, and, you know, and running and biking and all these things that we, we see these people doing it to the extreme level. And they're like, you're, you know, you're like, that person knows what they're doing with their life. They are a runner or a biker or a climber, but like, you don't have to be that to be a person who knows what they're doing with their life. Yeah. And, and nobody really knows what they're doing with their life. Also that we're all faking it. <laughs> we're all faking it. And like people who are like the most dialed in are probably the most like, oh my God, what am I even doing? (laughs) Right. The more it appears, you know what you're doing, probably the less you do. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be pretty honest with like, I don't know what I'm doing, but this is what I'm going to try. And like, you know, when, when I first uh, like bought the van and I was converting it and people would ask me like, what if you get in, what if you get in there and you hate it? Like, well, then I'll move out. I'm not signing like this huge contract. I can stop doing it at any time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nothing you do has to be permanent. Like just go give it a shot and see how it feels. And if it feels good, try it again. And if it feels good, try it again. And if it feels good, try it again. And if it doesn't like go try something else, like you don't have to go buy the most expensive guitar. If you're not sure if you're going to like guitar, just like borrow your neighbor's guitar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too, um, there's something to be said, there's a quote and I don't know who it's from, but it's something along the lines of, um, uh, like don't stick with your mistake just because you took so long making it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's like, if you are at a point in your life where you're not happy and you want to try something else, like anything you try at this point is like super low commitment, right? Like, just go try stuff until you find the right thing. And, and even for me, like I've lived in a van for the last three years, I've owned two vans. Um, I have been not a house person at all. And now I'm moving into a house. And I think sometimes we, we start to identify so intensely with the things that we're doing. Like I am a van person. That's who I am. And, and then we become afraid of, of letting that go. And sometimes like it's just a phase in your life and then there's another phase coming after that. Right. And so I don't have to live in a van for the rest of my life (laughs) um, just because I decided that was something I wanted to do. And luckily the market for van is vans is such that like, if you buy a van and you hate it, you can sell your van, (laughs) you know, and you can try something else. And, and I think we, we become very attached to the things that we think that we are. And that doesn't make room for us to let other things into our life. And I think going back to the independence thing, like we become so attached to this identity of independence that we then don't want to let other people into our little sphere of independence because we're like, "Uh uh-uh, like this is who I am. And if you come in here, you ruin it. Like you ruin everything I've been working on. You coming into my bubble means I'm not independent anymore. And by God, I am independent. <laughs> yeah. Like I have to be in here alone. That's who I am. I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh my God. I think that's brilliant. 
<laughs> write that quote down and put it everywhere so that I can keep seeing it. <laughs> so committed to who we think we are, that we don't let ourselves like evolve. And you know, life is just a series of phases. So yeah, is it your totally. right now is great. You couldn't have handled it three years ago and three years from now, you'd probably be bored with it. <laughs> well, and yeah, and there's no saying you can't go back and do those things again, right? Like I am moving into a house, but I know I'm not going to live in this condo for the rest of my life. Like I, like other stuff's going to happen after this. And like, maybe I'll be a van person again. Maybe I will have enough money that I can have a van and a house, but that's just not the reality right now. <laughs> Um, and so the, you know, those kind of choices, like just because you're letting something go or setting something aside, doesn't mean that you have to like remove it from your vocabulary, right? Like it can still be part of who you are. And like my three years of living in a van very much shaped who I am. And just because I'm not doing that anymore, doesn't mean I'm not that person anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's amazing. I could talk to you all freaking day. And we would have the longest episode that I have ever published. <laughs> Christy, can people find you online if they want to find out more about you and your experience and, and your book and all of those things? Um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram at rugged outdoors woman. Um, and I'm pretty active there and super responsive. So if you want to like talk to me, hang out, do whatever, I'm there for that. Um, and then my website is aloneinwonderland.com. Um, there you can purchase the book and that's mostly it. You can read some other stuff that I've written. Um, it's mostly just a website for the book right now, but I'm hoping to kind of get it up and running. I've got a mail list sign up if you're interested in hearing from me, um, or you can message me there and hopefully I will be building some kind of platform to like do some sneak peek releases and stuff from the upcoming next book. Um, and just kind of like keeping people up to date with what's going on. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. And I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes as well. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christine, so much for being a part of this. Thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, the next time I'm in Denver, we'll go grab a beer or a hike or something. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Deliberate Living. If you got value out of this episode, please go ahead and give it a thumbs up or five stars, whatever the rating system is on the platform that you're consuming it on. Uh, that really helps us get seen by other people who need and would also find value in this information. Please feel free to share this episode with someone in your life you know who could benefit from it as well. Maybe someone who's planning a through hike or a van life conversion or something of the sort. If you want to help offset some of the costs that go into making this podcast, I have a Venmo and a PayPal link set up. They are linked in the show notes. And keep an eye out for the one-year anniversary of the Deliberate Living podcast. It will be coming up at the very beginning of March, so the week before, the last weekend the last week of February, I will be running a series of giveaways, and one of those giveaways does include a copy of Christine's new book, Alone in Wonderland. So stay tuned, subscribe, hit the like button, all those things, and tune in next week for another excellent episode. Thank you. We've reached the end of this episode of Deliberate Living. You can find the show notes and everything we referenced over on my website, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube or sign up for email updates every time something new is published. 
I'll see you next time on Deliberate Living, and until then, keep your life on the DL too.